Welcome to the Breckenridge Municipal Market Recap, and thanks for joining us. I'm Eric Haas, a Portfolio Manager, and I'm joined today by my colleague Matt Bisconi, a fellow PM on the Tax Exempt Desk. As we approach the end of 2019, we thought it would be helpful to provide an outlook for 2020. The Tax Exempt Municipal Market earned some impressive returns in 2019, with an intermediate duration investment grade portfolio earning around 5.5% through November. So Matt, do you think investors should expect a similar total return in 2020? Probably tough to think we're going to replicate the results that we saw this year. We had some pretty unique tailwinds that all combined to produce those high numbers that you were referencing earlier. If you look back at the major performance drivers this year, um, you had Treasury and municipal rates falling quite substantially, over 100 basis points on the 10-year Treasury. Uh, The Federal Reserve reversed course, and after raising rates several times in 2018, they actually cut rates three times in 2019. And on the muni side, um, you had a very manageable number of tax-exempt supply uh, that was countered with record-setting demand for mutual fund inflows. And on the credit side, you know, you had trend growth of about 2% per year, 2% of GDP growth. And as the year went on, you had fading recession fears, so really a, a good environment from a credit standpoint as well. So as you look ahead to 2020, you're probably not going to see rates falling to the same degree uh, as they did last year or as they did this year. The Fed is likely on hold, at least for the first half of the year or maybe longer. And there is a potential for some increased volatility as we go into 2020 with regards to the China and U.S. trade pact. We've got an election year, Democratic nomination in the first quarter, and a presidential election in Q4 of this year. So while a lot of the rate forecasts are looking pretty benign for next year, it does seem like there is something that could come up uh, that could make it more volatile next year than it was this year. And also with regard to munis, we don't expect to see any changes with tax policy yet uh, that'll impact munis either positive or negatively. So Eric, we talked about supply a lot in 2019, uh, and it was really a story of two halves. What was the main driver on the supply side? Yeah, it really was uh, interesting how it was so different between the first half and the second half. When you're looking at June 30th, midway through the year, total supply was up around 4% year over year. Uh, Keep in mind that it's off a lower base year over year. But really, in the second half of the year, supply picked up pretty significantly. And and where we're sitting now, we're at about $380 billion in total issuance. And that's up around 18% year over year, and that's through November. So tax-exempt supply was up only around 9%. Uh, year over year. So what does that tell us? That tells us that uh, tax municipal issuance picked up significantly. Uh, We're looking at around 16% of issuance year to date through November. Uh, Last year over the same time period, it was around 9% of issuance. And that's basically on trend with what we've seen on an annual basis, kind of around that 10% uh, of issuance each year. If we're looking forward to 2020, the question is, well, are we going to be able to sustain total issuance as well as tax municipal issuance? Right now, the way it looks is total gross issuance is expected to be around 415 to 430 billion, depending on on whose research you're reading, and really that's around a five percent uh, pickup in what's expected in total supply of this year. So a lot of the research you read thinks that we'll probably get to 400 billion for the year, and a lot of this is actually coming from an increase in refundings. Uh, that comes from taxable advanced refundings, and also next year we expect to have um, you know more refundings from callable BABs taxable municipals issued years ago, 10 years ago. If rates remain low, we expect to continue to see the strength from taxable issuance. But basically what happens is that the math makes sense where there's still savings from refunding taxes and bonds as taxable municipal bonds. But if rates do rise quickly, uh, we could see a reduction in refundings, which ultimately would lower supply. So Matt, that's kind of the supply story. What do you think about the demand side for next year? 
So much like I was referencing, we don't expect rates to fall as much as they did next year as they did this year. We probably won't see the same level of inflows into mutual funds as we've seen so far this year. Um, there's been 86 billion of inflows into mutual funds, positive flows every week so far this year, and we're higher than the than the largest inflow that we've ever had, which was back in 2009, I believe. So we're already at record-setting flows. Probably unlikely we see that replicated again next year. Retail demand is likely to remain strong. Um, that's a continuation of the um, increased demand from the Tax Cut and Jobs Act at the end of 2017. When investors lost the ability to deduct their state and local income taxes, it left them searching for more tax-advantaged assets. Tax-exempt municipals remain one of the most common ones of those, so probably still strong demand from retail. Uh, But on the fund side, remember, too, they've had falling rates and a very strong driver of performance so far this year. That started to fade a little bit as the year ended. The returns were definitely front-loaded towards the first half and first three quarters of this year. And lower rates generally reduce inflows. If you're looking at a 10-year treasury of below 2% and a 10-year AAA muni at 1.5%, they aren't as compelling as they were a year ago or even six months ago. So sometimes that reduces inflows. Uh, But on the other hand, if rates increase or if we do see a backup, Investors don't like to see negative total returns in their bond funds, and that could spark uh, some sort of outflow cycle for munis well. So overall, if we look at the two together and think of the technicals in the muni market, it was very supportive this year via strong demand and lower levels of, or I'd say manageable levels of tax-exempt new issue supply. Next year, it gets a little bit worse. And one of the nerdy things we talk about in munis uh, is net negative supply. Uh, in this year, or in 2019, it was negative 50 billion, which meant there was 50 billion more of maturing bonds and coupon payments coming back into the market than there was new issue supply. Next year, that's forecast to be only a negative 20 billion. Uh, so not quite as positive there, and probably not as good on the inflow side as well. So probably a little bit weaker technical picture. The other main storyline that we talked about a lot in 2019 uh, was the returns of lower quality and high yield bonds. Uh, And that's kind of tied a little bit together with the economy. So what do we expect from the economy and high yield next year? Yeah, so overall in in 2020, uh, we have a positive credit outlook on the year itself. To the point you made earlier, you know, in the U.S., unemployment's at, you know, positive three and a half percent. Payrolls are strong. Jobless claims remain near lows. Um, So overall, it's a pretty benign credit environment. And and ultimately, it's based on a strong consumer. Now, having a strong consumer is very positive for the states, or it's good for the states. Generally speaking, state general obligation debt, uh, the main revenue source for for the payoff that debt uh, is personal income tax, as well as things like sales tax, et cetera, et cetera. So all those are stronger when you have a stronger consumer. On the local general obligation debt side, we're also looking at how lower rates are supported for real estate and housing. So that debt is generally paid off from ad valorem property taxes. So in an environment where rates are lower and the housing market is stronger, that's a positive for the revenue source for local general obligation debt. What we do think on the growth side, U.S. GDP at around 2%, um, it's continued but slowing growth, and that flows down to the states as well when you look at the gross state product and overall the revenue for the states. So in 2020, we do expect that high yield will outperform investment grade. And really, it's it's not as much due to a, a kind of reach for yield as more of a kind of a carry trade. They have more carry in high yield and investment grade. And in a benign credit environment, we don't necessarily see any major credit issues that are going to be affecting bonds across the board. One potential credit story that we're going to keep our eyes on is just uh, the potential restructuring of debt of the U.S. Virgin Islands. This is similar to the story of Puerto Rico. It's an ability to pay story. And when you look at you know the issues they have, it's a shrinking population, uh, underfunded pensions, and it's a smaller risk than Puerto Rico, but nonetheless something that we're going to keep our eyes on. 
Well, thanks very much for listening, and we hope that you in the field found all this helpful. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at cr at breckenridge.com.